I sat down here and said, Lord, I don't want to be emotional this morning. And I wasn't emotional thinking about it, and I wasn't emotional preparing for it. Now I'm going to be emotional. So, Lord, help me here. 2021 was a difficult year. In every year, in every church, I think in every church, every year there's difficult things. There's difficult things that, that happen. There's losses that we incur. And this year was, was no different than any year we've ever had before. We had losses, and they are painful losses, and they're, and they're felt. But this morning what I wanted to do was remember. We want to remember those who we lost in 2021. And we just want to, this isn't, I'm not, I'm not trying to make much of them and honor them. I want to honor them and remember them. Okay. But th- we're, we're here to honor the Lord. Amen. Amen. We're going to glorify the Lord, but I want to remember those. And, and, and there's a challenge for us in this. Okay. So we're going to start with, uh, with Miss Audrey Johnson. And, on, and, and you'll see there's, you may have wondered why there are shoes on this stage. Why are there shoes? Some of you haven't noticed yet. Have you noticed? Who noticed the shoes? Who didn't notice the shoes? All right, now you'll notice there's shoes up here. Okay. So what we wanted to do is each pair of shoes here, they don't just represent someone because these are their shoes. And their, their shoes are here and they've been left with us. And uh, so we want to, uh, first here on my right, on your left, the first here are the, and if I get these out of order, y'all please correct me, okay? So this is Miss Audrey Johnson's shoes here on the far, your far left. Miss Audrey went home to be with the Lord on January the 17th of last year. And as I understand it, Miss Audrey was a lifelong member of this church. She was here her whole life. She, she was here from, 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 from cradle to grave. She was here. She was a part of this church. And in those years, she did it all. She, was a choir, she sang in the choir. She directed the choir. At times, she filled in as pianist. She worked in VBS. And if you've worked VBS for many years, you know you get to do a lot of different things with VBS. So she was involved with that. She was a children's Sunday school teacher. She served as the children's Sunday school director. She was involved in women's ministry. She taught other Sunday school. She also did shut-in visitation and then just regular visitation. She was involved with all these things. All of this while, while working full-time, a full-time job a lot of that time while here. So, so the things that she did wasn't like, well, she didn't have anything else to do. She's raising a family, and she's a full-time, a full-time mother, full-time wife, full-time with a job, and she's serving and giving in the church. Amen. And so these first shoes here are, are Miss Audrey Johnson, and, uh, and we miss her. And uh, she was already not here regular when I got here. She was still in the area. I had a chance to meet her. What a precious lady. And then moved to Tennessee to be with some family. And then we lost her last year. So we're closing in on, on the first anniversary of her going home to be with the Lord. And so we remember Miss Audrey Johnson. The second pair of shoes here, you could guess whose these are. Yeah, when I saw them, I said, that so fits. And that's Miss Florence, Miss Florence Van Epps. And uh, Miss Florence went home to be with the Lord on August the 1st. And uh, Miss Florence was such an encourager. Uh, and she, she was involved with the ladies' Bible study. 
She was involved. I thought about her yesterday as we had our meal, as she was very involved with our bereavement team who prepared meals, you know, with the, the funeral meals and stuff. She was very involved with that. And she always smiled. She always had a kind word. She was just such an encourager. And uh, she had another ministry of encouragement that I've shared some uh, before about this. And I've shared the story when I first got here. She, she told me, she said, now, now we have a condo over at the beach. And if you'd like to use it sometime, feel free. And I felt a little guilty. I thought, you know, pastor getting a perk, pastor getting a special perk. I felt a little bit guilty. And she mentioned again, I said, well, let's do that. Well, let's go over. And, we, and she had a beautiful, beautiful place over there. And so I said, well, I got to keep that quiet because I don't want somebody else to hear that. And they'll be jealous. Or they'll be mad at Florence because they didn't offer it to me. Or that preacher, preachers always get the, the, you know, everybody treats them special. Well, I found out we weren't getting treated any special because that was a, a ministry that Florence had. She, she loved her condo, but she loved to share it as much as she loved to go over there herself. And, and I found out that, oh, you know, I was kind of trying to keep it quiet. Somebody said, oh, we were over at Florence's condo. We were over at Florence's condo. We were over at Florence's condo. Now, don't get mad if you never got to go to the condo, okay? It, just, it was just a matter of time. You, didn't, you just didn't get, there wasn't enough time. But she had such a, a ministry of encouragement that way. And so what a blessing. So if you know Miss Florence, you know those shoes. That just says Florence right there. And uh, she was a, a big part of our church. And she's a part of our church that's missed. And then the next shoes... How fitting. They're just work shoes. They're just work shoes. And they got a lot of miles on them. And uh, those shoes belong to Rob Jackson. And Rob went home to be with the Lord on August the 12th. And I, I didn't get everything that Rob did. But he made visits. You know, I learned that Rob would go to the hospital to visit with people. Rob would, I'd go up to visit somebody, and Rob would be there. He'd already be there. He would visit people in their homes. Uh, he cooked often. He was out here manning the grill. When we had our food boxes, Rob always stepped up and said, I'll take care of getting those picked up. I'll go get the food boxes. I'll make sure they're here. He, he, would ju he, just, he just did it. I never even had to ask him. I said, we got this coming, and he just, I'm, I got it. He helped make and install the thousands of crosses that we had out in the field in years past and the ones we used a year ago. He helped make all those. He helped set those up. And the last time when we set those up last year, I think we set up like 1,250 crosses. Rob handled that. He coordinated all that. He laid it out. He, he knew exactly how he, he, he just He organized all that. He just took it on. I just mentioned it. I asked him a question about it. Like, could we do that? Is that possible? And boom. He, it, I mean, he just had it rolling. We're going. There we go. He mowed the field. He helped Keith with the lettering. A lot of the lettering you see around the church, he helped with that. Um, he was an usher. He was a greeter. He was a smiler. Amen. You know, it was when, when he passed, someone asked, I'm not, who exactly was that? And I said, well, he was the guy that was always at the door over here when you came in for Sunday school, smiling. And with an, oh, yes, yes, oh. And, and so people knew Rob by his smile before they knew him by his name. He's part of the safety team. Uh, he did the painting. I think he did this darker painting here in, in, the, in the sanctuary. So we have a lasting, we have a lasting uh, thing there that we see. Uh, he worked 
He worked on the sprinkler. I guess this is the sprinkler pump system out here. Is that our picture? That's the picture. That's the beast out there. And I think it always gives us trouble. And so he had a big hammer, and he was very patient with that thing. I would have had been using the big hammer on it. But he was very patient. But that's where you would see Rob. You didn't see Rob standing around. When there was something to do, Rob was, was working. Um, what, he, he, he was the whatever-needed-to-be-done guy. Just, you mentioned it, and he just, he wanted to do it. It wasn't a, he and Claire, she don't want to hear, she don't want to hear her name today, but they, they have the same spirit. They have a spirit that wants to serve Amen. and don't want attention. That's right. Don't call my name, and she'll be mad because I said her name, but forgive me, Claire. But it's just a fact, and the two go together, and the two belong together, and they were so much alike. Just whatever needed to be done. Always available. It didn't matter what was going on. He was always available. And I would call him friend. He was a friend. And those who've talked to me said, you know, Rob was my friend. And he was an encourager. And, um, and we're going to miss him. It's a big loss. And Dennis Best. Next shoes here are Dennis Best. And uh, Dennis went home to be with the Lord on November the 6th. Dennis and Jeannie hadn't been here as long, uh, about a little over two years now, I think, they've been here. And just jumped right in, become family real quick. Dennis was involved with our WANA ministry, just out there pouring into those kids. If you talked to Dennis at all, you knew he had a passion for missions, and, and you knew that, I mean, they gave their lives to, to the Lord through missions. They, they just followed the Lord's leading there and served their whole life on the mission field, save a few years, and then the, the years now since they've been retired. But um, passion for missions. He was also, I think, he was a, a, a hot chocolate chef. So last year at our live nativity, he was out, he and Miss Jeannie were out manning the, the, hot cough, the hot chocolate out there. And uh, I was really looking forward to, to Dennis. I, I saw him as one that would be on our, our committee, our missions committee, our advisory committee. And I really saw him as being one that would be, uh, would be out there. Um, so he's missed. He's missed. And then uh, the next set of boots and shoes here are boots, and they're work boots, and they're, those are military boots, if I'm not mistaken. Are they not? Are they? So they're military. But they're military boots, but that's his everyday shoe. That's what he wore. This is Webb White. And Webb went home to be with the Lord on November 12th. And he's the one I mentioned earlier. We had his service uh, uh, yesterday. And Webb was an exceptional man. Uh, I, think, I think is uh, what I shared yesterday and what I'd heard. And what I heard then and what I'd heard from others was just Webb had a, just a, 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 his walk with the Lord, his relationship with the Lord, and, and, and his prayers. The, when he prayed, I've heard again and again and again how you just heard his heart and it was passionate prayers from, from Webb. Now, Webb was, was already, um, I mean, Webb was 97 when he passed, so he was 93 when I got here. And uh, so he was, not, he was already in, in a nursing home. And I had a chance to get to know him a little bit and visit with him some and had some special visits with him. Uh, in fact, there's the picture. And, and on that day when I visited with him, it was amazing. He was very, he was very lucid. We, had some, we actually had some conversation and was asking him a little bit. We were talking about Alaska and uh, his time in Alaska. 
And, uh, but when Webb was here, he was an usher. He was, here was a big thing that he did. He went with Mike Johnson doing door-to-door weekly, going door-to-door doing visitation here in Geneva. And you got to have a guy like Webb, because I got here and they said, you don't do visitation in Geneva, they'll kill you. <laughs> and then I found out they weren't lying or exaggerating. Uh, that's why he wore the boots. Yeah, you got to have a guy like that. And so Webb was, was here for a season, and he's not with us anymore. And then Miss Kay Williams, the last shoes we see there, Miss Kay Williams. That's Jerry Crawley's mother. And, and Miss Kay was new here. She, was, she was, had just been attending, just starting to attend with us. And if you got to know her, you know she was just a precious lady, very sweet, very, um, very uh, just a pleasure to talk with and to be around. And uh, she went home to be with the Lord on December the 6th. And uh, so we'll be having a memorial service for her uh, next month here at the church. But uh, Miss Kay was just getting connected. So you see, we have people represented here that were a part of our church that some were just connecting, some had connected in the past and were maybe not here at the time, but they were a part of this church. And, and Rob, who was so involved, and Dennis, who was involved. Look, Miss Florence, who was so involved at this time. So everybody had a different place. And so we, we've lost much this year. We've lost much this year. And uh, so we want to have a time of, of prayer, and I've asked Brother Raymond if he would come up and pray. And, and we just want to, and, and I ask you to join us as we pray. And we want to pray uh, a prayer of thanksgiving for them, that God allowed us to have time with them. And we want to pray for their families. I know for Holly, it's coming up on a year. For others, it's not even that far along yet. So this is a very still, a very raw uh, emotionally, this is a raw time. And so I want you to pray for the families and the loved ones, and I want you to pray for, pray for our church. And so I want you to join us in prayer as Raymond comes up and prays for us, okay? I think so.
Thank you, Raymond. All right, Philippians chapter three. We're gonna we're gonna uh, I'm gonna move quick. We got a lot we want to do right here, and uh, we're we're good on time. But we're here in Philippians chapter three. Now, when we get to this section of scripture, understand understand the timing on this. I just want to say this: Paul, at this point, when Paul's writing this letter, what Paul has already done in ministry, Paul was already at that time a living legend. He's already a living legend. He's already in, in the Christian circle. He is, he, he's, he's, he's a living legend. He was in the Christian realm what Jack Nicholas is to golf. He was what, what Tom Brady is to football and what Michael Jordan is to basketball. Not LeBron James, but Michael Jordan. <laughs> have a little fun with Pastor Aaron. I'm sure he'll get me back when he's got the mic, but right now I have it. Um, he, he, was, he, was, you know, he was the most famous man out there doing the work. He was the most prolific. You look at the writings, majority of the, the New Testament was written by the Apostle Paul. The man was prolific in his writings. He was famous. He was the most achieved when you look at the mission work and the church planning that he was involved with at that that time. He was already, if we put it in today's terms, if we put it into like a sports analogy, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He, he's going in, it's, it's going to be a unanimous vote. There's 50 votes. He's getting all 50 going in first ballot, unanimous. It, it's just a done deal. That's who Paul was. That's what we look at. We have the, the, the beauty of looking at him back through history, and we can see these things. But these are things, he was already that. And we've just acknowledged those things and seen those things, you know, through history. But, but he was already doing those things. And the reason we remember that is because of what he was doing and what he was involved with. So we come here now to Philippians chapter 3, and we're just going to read through some of this land foundation. Verse 1, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord, for I write to you the same things to you. For, 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 I'm sorry, for me to write the same things to you is not tedious but for you it is safe. So obviously he's talked about some of this before. He's going to address it again with what he's about to say. Verse 2, he says, Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the mutilation. And he's talking about here these legalists who came in, these Judaizers. Judaizers, they're the ones who were coming in and they were telling these Gentiles that you had to become a Jew. You had to become a Jew. You got to get circumcised. So you got to do the physical in order to do the spiritual. You got to become a Jew in order to become a Christian. And they were laying this legalism on them. And not only that, but they would say, once you become a Christian, you still got to live under the Jewish law. So they're trying to, this legalist, and Paul is saying, no, beware of these. They're deceiving you. You got to be on guard. Verse 3, for we are the circumcision. He was a Jew. He had been circumcised. We are the circumcision who worship God in spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. He's talking about we're not confident in the outward. We're not confident in the flesh, in the things that we do. And he's going to talk about his confidence. He said, though I also might have, self, uh, or have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else think he have confidence in the flesh, I more so. So he's going to talk about these folks who think they're, they're all this and all that because they're following the law and they're doing this and they think they're more spiritual. And Paul's just saying, look, if you want to have confidence in the flesh and we want to get in a contest and who's, more, who's got more fleshly things to be confident of, let's talk about it. And he starts naming off who he was. And what he really is naming off here, he's naming off his religious resume. 
It's his religious resume. Verse 5, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He says, concerning the law, I'm a Pharisee. I mean, you talk about a a Jew of the Jews, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He was a man of the law. He he understood and he lived those things. He was a Pharisee. They they understood the law. They understood those things and they walked around in the pride of that. Verse 6, concerning zeal. We talk about zeal. Are you zealous? He said, concerning zeal, I was persecuting the church. Concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. He was living the faith. He was living that religion, that Jewish religion. And he says in verse 7, he says, But what things, what things were gained to me? What things? He's talking about his whole life. It really is his whole life. Everything in his life revolved around his being a Pharisee, being a Jew in that religion that he was living in. That was his everything. For what things were gained to me, everything revolved around that. Everything he had in life came from that. Any wealth he had, any position he had, any power, all those things came from that. He said, what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Verse 8, yet indeed I also count all things lost. He says, I don't just count my religious resume as a loss. That, what a waste. He said, I count all things lost. Look, for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Nothing else matters. Nothing else adds up. I don't care about anything else. It is for the excellence. I count it all loss. I don't care. You know, it, it's, it, it was, it was I, I, you know, I got an economics degree. It might be the easiest degree out there, okay? So I go to the University of Georgia. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I wanted to be in bit, I wanted to do computer science. I'm two quarters into Georgia. I realized they're speaking a language I don't understand. I got to transfer into something else. I thought I want to go into business school. And the business school, my GPA was not where it needed to be to get in the business school, and it was not ever going to be where it needed to be to get in the business school. So I started looking at what's the closest thing I can get to a business degree, and it was in the College of Arts and Sciences. It was economics. So I go through economics, which I never understood why I even went to Georgia, because it always frustrated me. I took six econ classes, maybe eight, and I get an economics degree. Okay, I never understood. It's a liberal arts for you. I got to go to art appreciation. And I got to go to drama appreciation. And I got to take Spanish. And I got to do all that. Well, dummy, that's called a liberal arts education. That's what you're doing. That's why you're here. And uh, I wasn't real bright then. Y'all know that things haven't changed a lot. But you get your degree and you get your job and you come to a point where God gets a hold of your life and you go, you know what? None of that matters. I don't care. When I went into ministry, it, it, I, it, I'm not using my degree. And I don't care. It's not important. It was about following the Lord. And so I count all those things lost. And you, you may say the same thing. All these things I did to hear at this point when I came to Christ and for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, I count all those things in the past as lost. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. He says it's just junk. It's just waste. It is nothing. None of it matters. Only thing that matters is Christ. That I may gain Christ. Now he's not saying that I might win my salvation. He's not saying that. That I may gain Christ. That gain right there is to make room for more Jesus. 
That's what he's talking about. He said, I'm going to get the clutter out of my life. I don't care about my religious resume. Boom, throw that out. I don't care about the position and the power and, 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 the, and the prestige and the pedigree and the popularity and the possessions that come from that life. I don't care about that. I put that out that I may gain Christ. Gain. It, it, it's, and it is a gain that comes from shunning or escaping evil. That's what he's saying. I'm going to get those things out of my life. It's also to gain his fellowship, the fellowship with Christ. That's what he's talking about, that I may gain Christ. I'm going to shun evil so I can be closer to Jesus. I'm going to put these things out so I can be closer to Jesus. I'm going to, put, I'm going to account all that loss so that I can be closer to Jesus. And that's what, the, that's what Paul's saying here. And then we come to verse 9. He says, And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law. That's our own righteousness. When the law says this, and I keep the law, I've got my own righteousness, which is just filthy rags. But he says, it's my, I don't want my own righteousness. I don't have my own righteousness. And he says, but that which is through faith in Christ. That's the righteousness Paul had. That's the righteousness he wanted was that righteousness that comes which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God by faith. And he speaks here. He's talking about salvation. We are saved by God's grace through faith. And this faith gives us this righteousness that is, it's not our righteousness, it is Christ. It is God, when he looks down on us as a believer, he sees Jesus. He doesn't see me. And it's not my righteousness, it's Jesus' righteousness. So verse 10, that I may know him, that I may know him. He knew the Lord, but he, he says that I may know him. He wants to know more of Jesus. He wants to be closer to Jesus. Do you hear his heart? He, he desires to be close to the Lord. Closer, closer, closer. We're going, this is the first ballot Hall of Fame Christian. The greatest missionary. People would say the greatest missionary ever lived. I don't know. We know a lot about Paul. There's a lot of missionaries out there that gave their whole life. We don't even know their names. I don't know. He's the one we know about. I don't know if he's the greatest to ever live. But, but I know what he would say. No. No, I'm just a sinner saved by grace doing what God called me to do. He said, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. He said, I want that in my life. He understood that the suffering he would go through would draw him closer to Christ, would make him more like Jesus. He was going to suffer and he, was, he welcomed it. I, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, he knew what it would cost him. To live his life for Christ. He knew it would probably cost him death. Cost him his life. Verse 11. If by any means I may attain. Now understand right here what that word means. Now we read that and we go. If by any means I may attain. Or that I might get it. That's not what the attain means right here. It really means arrive at the end of a journey. He was born again. He was a Christian. Paul wasn't trying to work to earn his salvation, but Paul wanted to be closer to the Lord. He wanted to draw up close to him. And so when he says this, if by any means I may arrive at the end of, a, of this journey to the resurrection from the dead, I'm going to get there. I can't wait, but I'm going to live my life for him here. So we hear his heart's desire, and his heart's desire is Christ. That's his heart's desire. So wherever, wherever he was at that point, we see him as a spiritual giant. And Paul said, I want more of Jesus. 
I don't want anything else. And so here's where we're going to get now into, I got five points of this. The first point is this. When we talk about the title, I don't even know if I told you the title. The title of the message today is Righteous Dissatisfaction. Because here's the thing. The first point is this. There has to be dissatisfaction. Folks, if you ever are going to change anything in your life, if you ever are going to draw closer to Christ, if you're ever going to do anything, you first got to be satisfied with, dissatisfied with where you're at right now. Look at what he says in verse 12. He says, not that I have already attained. Now, that not that is what he's saying is, I do not say that. I'm not saying. Paul says, I do not say I have attained. Others might say that. Others might trumpet me and talk about this or that or the other. He says, I'm telling you not that I have already attained or am already perfected. I'm not perfected. I'm being sanctified constantly. I was sanctified at salvation. I'm being sanctified every day and being made more like Christ. And ultimately, I will be sanctified. There will be that final sanctification, but he ain't there yet. He's not mature, totally mature yet. And we go, Paul? Paul? Did you see it? Paul ain't satisfied with where he's at. He's not. There is a righteous dissatisfaction in his heart. Verse 13, I'm going to come back to verse 12, the second part of verse 12 in a moment. But verse 13 says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. And again, regardless of what others might say, I'm telling you, I haven't arrived. When I, when I first went into ministry 20 years ago, 21 years ago, I remember going on church staff, large church staff, I didn't think I had arrived like I'm there, I'm the man. But I thought I had arrived at where God had put me. I, I really had visions. When I went on church staff there, I'm going to serve here 20, 25 years. I'm going to serve out my ministry time here. This is what I'm going to do. I mean, God's put me here. I've arrived to this place. This is the final destination. And God just laughed. <laughs> oh, my simple son. Oh, he had fun with me. And so he, it's a long journey, and it's, but, it, but what he did is constantly he brought a dissatisfaction in my life with where I was, spiritually, different things. But listen, any change in life, any improvement in life will not start until we are dissatisfied with where we're at. Now, it's really good we do this service today because it's January the 9th. All of you who said, I'm going on a diet this year, it's already done. You've already blown that out of the water. Here, here's the deal. You've quit already. You, you made your resolution, and three days in, the cake was laying there, or the cookies were there. Or, you know, I heard somebody the other day said, listen, I got all the bad food out of my house. I got all that junk out of my house, and it sure was good. It sure was good. They got it all out. So we're at that point now. So, but here's the truth. If you, until you get to a point where you are dissatisfied with your weight, you won't lose weight. Until you get sat, dissatisfied with your level of fitness, you're not going to do anything about it. Glenn, I'm going to use you an example here. Glenn went to the doctor. He found out that he was pre, did you say you were pre-diabetic? Glenn said, I ain't sticking myself with needles. So Glenn, Glenn cut out the stuff. They told him what he needed to do. Glenn said, all right, I can keep doing what I'm doing. I've got to learn to use needles. I ain't doing that. He was dissatisfied. And you've lost how much weight now? 50. So he still go, it keeps going up. So he got to a point where he said, I ain't doing this no more. He was dissatisfied where he was. And he looks great. He looks like he feels great. And, but he had to get to that place where he was dissatisfied with where he was. So whether it's your weight or your fitness or, listen, your Bible knowledge or your spiritual maturity 
or your level of commitment. Folks, you will not change a thing. And it don't matter what I say from this pulpit. It don't matter how much uh, Pastor Raymond, I call him Pastor, Elder Raymond, Brother Raymond, Raymond, Mr. Harrison, whatever. What any of us say, it's not going to matter until you decide, until the Lord speaks to you and you go, yes, Lord. You're right. I'm not where I need to be. And until you get to that place, it don't matter what anybody says. You're the one that's going to have to respond. You've got to have that dissatisfaction. So when you get to that, when you get to that place where I'm dissatisfied with where I am, or or better, where I'm not, until you get to that place, you're not going to do anything about it. Now, if I compare myself to Paul, I'll never add up. I'll never stack up if I compare myself with Paul. Um, Who would Paul have compared himself to? I'm sure Paul wasn't going, you know, old Barnabas, boy, I'm doing a lot better than him. His attitude wouldn't have been what it was if he was comparing himself to any other person than the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul used Christ as his measuring stick, and he, he compared himself with until I'm like Christ. I've, I've not arrived until I'm like Christ. And he knew I'll never on this side of glory arrive at that. And so he had a dissatisfaction with where he was, and he's only compared himself with Christ. And that's what we should do. You don't sit here and go, well, you know, I know I'm not doing all I could do or should do, or I'm not as spiritual as I ought to be, but boy, look at them. I'm better than them. No, no, no. God doesn't do that. I, you want to make, I think you want to make the Lord angry, do that. I don't, that's not his heart at all. He says, I'm doing the work in you. I'm going to shape you and mold you and bring you along. You respond to me. You look to me. You, you look to my word. You compare yourself with me. Don't compare yourself to somebody else. Well, I'm a lot better than them. But don't compare yourself with somebody else and go, boy, see, I shouldn't even try. Because I'll never be spiritual as him. I could never do that. You know, that's not what the Lord says either. The Lord says, you be dissatisfied with where you are and you follow him. Let him show you what to do. Paul wasn't satisfied and neither should we be. Um, Are you satisfied this morning? Are you comfortable? Are you complacent with where you are spiritually? Or are you dissatisfied? Do you want to grow closer to the Lord? See, because if you do, it starts with having that righteous dissatisfaction. Second thing we find right here, what what Paul says is if you're going to do that, if you're going to draw closer to the Lord and grow in that, you've got to have a devotion. Second part of verse 13 says, but one thing I do. One thing I do. Now, many of you have heard of the Chicago fire in 1871. I think it got started in a barn. Somebody made a mistake with a, with a lantern and got knocked over or something, and it burned the city down. So the fire killed approximately 300 people, destroyed roughly 3.3 square miles of the city. That's, put that 3.3 square miles of the city, um, including over, uh, let's see, including over 17,000 structures and left more than 100,000 residents homeless. Well, D.L. Moody, I'm sure you've heard that name, but D.L. Moody, he was burdened that he had been distracted from sharing the gospel. And, and, and his thinking, I'm sure, was this, that those 300 people who died, perhaps without knowing Christ, and, and, and he was burdened by that. He said, I was distracted by these other things. I wasn't sharing the gospel the way I needed to share the gospel. I wasn't doing the thing I'm supposed to be doing. And so he changed some things in his life and in his ministry, and he was quoted as saying this, this one thing I do rather than these 40 things I dabble in. 
Now, if you're a child of God, you're a born-again child of God, if you're not, what I'm telling you, the only thing you need to be concerned with is getting to the cross, getting to Christ, being born again. That's what you need to be concerned with. But if you are truly a born-again child of God, let me say this, you need to be serving. You need to be serving. God doesn't call a single one of us to be saved and sit on the sidelines. He calls us to serve. But you need to be careful not to be doing or trying to do too many things. We got folks in our church that ain't doing a thing. Not a thing. We got folks in our church that, and it may be a result of the folks that aren't doing a thing. We got other folks who are doing too much. They're trying to do too many things. And what happens with too many plates spinning is that there's always, it always ends up with something falling and breaking down. You ever seen the guy on stage who, who gets the stick and he puts his plate on it and he spins it and he gets another plate and he spins it and he gets another plate and spins it and he keeps, and he's back over here and he's doing this and then gets another one going. And I mean, I've seen him get eight, nine, 10, 12 plates going. Eventually, what happens? Something's going to fall. And if you've ever watched that, it wears me out watching it. I'm watching going, I mean, I'm just, how could you do that? But you know what? If you've got one or two plates right here and you're spinning them, you don't have to kill yourself and you do it really, really, really well. And so we've got to get to this place where we understand what is your one thing? What is the thing God's called you to? What is it he wants you to do? And you put your hand to that and you do the very best that you can and quit trying to do 15 things. Not only, not only do I not do it well, but I hinder someone else maybe from doing what God's calling them to do. That they could do, that would be their one thing. But the other thing to keep in mind with serving is don't get distracted. There's so many distractions today, and, and some of us are serving, and we get distracted. And, you know, when Nehemiah fought this, and there were th- those that came to him and wanted him to come off the wall. They wanted to get him away from the work. They wanted to trap him. And Nehemiah says, I'm not, he says, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. So I'm not coming down. I'm doing a great work for God. I'm doing what he told me to do. I'm not coming down for you. So there's some things that, that, that can call us away from the work that God has called us to. And we have to be careful not to be distracted. Now, that could be work. It could be climbing the corporate ladder. It could be pursuing more money. It could be my home life. It could be my kids' activities. It could be my own recreation and entertainment that is pulling me away from God. Now, I'm not saying, oh, pastor said neglect your kids. You should do God's work. That ain't what I said. You need to balance what God's, every role you have in your life. And if you're a husband, you need to be the best husband you can be according to the scriptures. If you're a father, you need to be the best father or mother that you can be according to the scriptures. You need to do those things. But you need to serve God. You need to find the place he's calling. And you need to not let everything else. I saw a meme recently that said, said that uh, church ought to be the excuse for not doing other things instead of everything else being the excuse for not doing church. Church, it's amazing to me, all the things that come up that pull us away from church. Church ought to be, well, you're the preacher, you would say that. Well, I've been the preacher four years. I've been a Christian for 30 plus. I'm in church. I've always been in church. I'm going to be in church. I want to be a part of the church I'm in. I want to be here. I hate to miss a single Sunday because I don't know what God's going to do. I want to see it. 
I want to be a part of it. Don't let everything else pull you away from what God has called you to do. And, and look, some are going to go mad. I, hear my heart. We're all in a different place in life. You've got to figure out where you're at in that place in life. You're retired and you travel. I'm not saying give up your travel. But don't use that as, a, as just a cheap excuse to get out of church. You're here, so I'm preaching to the choir. You folks at home... I hope y'all are listening. <laughs> Those that are going to watch it next week because you're on the lake today. I'm talking to you. No. I'm just, it's just kidding, okay? Kind of. Kind of. James 1.8 says, He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Folks, we don't need to be unstable in all our ways. We need to know what it is God's called us to do and put your hand to it. We're going to talk about putting our hand to the plow. We're going to put our hands to the plow here in a little bit, I hope. It's putting your hand to the plow. Not being double-minded, not being distracted and caught up and, 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 and we do what God calls us to do. I think about, when you talk about sports, I think about focus of champions. I think about Tiger Woods. I don't know anybody I've ever seen in my lifetime, maybe, that had the focus that he had. I mean, his focus was all about winning golf games. Wow, what if we had an ounce of that focus in our Christian walk? It ought to convict us when we see Tom Brady at 43 years old, and, and he's so driven. He is dissatisfied. I think he has seven Super Bowls. Is that right? Six or seven? I think it's seven. Howard, you're the expert. How many has he got? Okay, well, you're, you're, you're as committed on that answer as I am. So I know I would, I, would, I, would, I would stand on six, but he may have seven. More than a handful. He got more than this, so he's on a second hand. It ought to, it ought to, it ought to convict us when we see someone out in the world who is more committed to something that does not matter than we are to the ultimate that matters. The only thing that matters. The only thing that's left. All that's going to be left. Folks, when we die, all that matters is what you do with Jesus. That's all. It don't matter what you made, what you had. Nothing. It's what did you do with Jesus. Number three is direction. If you're going to... If you're going to, if you're going to improve, you're going to pursue the right things, you've got to have direction. And Paul says this, he says, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. That always, always, it's always forward. When he says reaching forward, it's always forward. And that word forgetting, it, it means no longer caring for. So forgetting those things which are behind. He doesn't say there forgetting those things which are behind which are bad. And he doesn't say forgetting those things which are behind which are good. He says forgetting those things which are behind. So it doesn't matter whether it's good or bad. The things that are behind us, we need to let it go. So if it's something bad in your life that is hindering you, look, if it's something you did, confess it. Take it to the Lord, confess it. If you confess it to the Lord, He's promised you confess your sin. He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So He'll forgive that sin. And if He's forgiven it, throw it overboard. Don't let it hinder you anymore. Maybe it's something good, though, that hinders us. 
Well, you know what? I, I did youth one time, and we had 25 kids coming. And nobody in the church ever had 25 kids coming to youth before. We were the best. We were amazing. Or I was in the choir, and when I was in the choir, our choir sounded amazing. We were the best. And you live in the glory of something. And you know what? You may have, God may have used you in an amazing way. Praise God. Don't let that hinder you today from doing what God's called you to do today. He says, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Now, here's where we come to the plow. Luke 9, 62. But Jesus said to him, No one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. And what, what is, here, here's the deal. When you put your hand to a plow, we don't understand plow. How many of you have ever plowed? Raise your hand high if you've plowed. We've got a few that have actually plowed in here. Now, you, can you, you're pulling a plow, Dave Stewart. You're pulling a plow. Can you do it with one hand on the plow? Can you do it looking back, Dave? You can't. You've got to be focused on what's ahead. It's reaching forward to those things that are ahead. You've got to put your hand to the plow. And what we're going to focus on is Jesus. I'm not going to try to sing this morning. My voice is a little raspy. But that song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. Wonderful face. Turn. Yeah, I, I don't know the rest of the words. I can sing it when I'm singing it. But I can't, I can't recall. So we could just break into chorus here. But the fact is, what, what, the point I'm making here is this. We want to turn our eyes upon Jesus. We want to keep our eyes on Him. We want to focus on Him. And, and when we focus on Jesus and our hands on the plow, we ain't worried about what's back there. I don't have to worry about that road because that road's going to be straight if I keep my eyes on Jesus. That's what we're trying to do. Number four is determination. If you're going to make these changes, there has to be a t- determination. Paul says this in verse 14, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of, of God in Christ Jesus. He said, I press. That is an intense endeavor, and it gives the idea of a hunter pursuing his prey. And so here's what we do. We get saved. We read the Word of God. We learn His will from the Word of God. And then we pursue His will in our life. We pursue that with everything we have. We press on. Going back to verse 12. Not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. See, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. People go, I want to know the will of God for my life. The will of God for your life is the same as it is for every other Christian. He has revealed His will. You pursue His will that He has revealed to us in the Word of God in your life. You pursue that. You know what He'll do? He'll guide you where He wants you. He'll move you. He'll show you exactly what to do. And, and it's not sit on the sidelines and, and you're going to get a call from this church. Boy, they want you to be the pastor, but you've never done anything. All of a sudden, I got the call. That's not how that works. God said you pursue the will. I've shown you my will. Now, you be faithful. You grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. You spend time praying. You forsake not the gathering of yourselves together. You be a servant of God because the Lord said you, you, your attitude should be the same as mine. I wasn't, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't sent here. I wasn't called here to be ministered to. I came here to minister and to give my life a ransom for me. You should do the same thing. 
And as we do that, God will show us what we're to do. We press on. We press on. I press on to lay hold of the prize because Christ first laid hold of me. I want to lay hold of for, listen, I want to lay hold of for Christ what Christ laid hold of me for. Whatever it is God wants to do in my life, whatever he, why he grabbed me up, I want to pursue that. I want to do that. Whatever God has for me, I want it. I want it. I want all of it. But I want what he wants for me, not what I want. I want what he wants. And the only reason I can apprehend for God is because he first apprehended me. Praise God. Last thing is this, is discipline. Verse 15, therefore let us as many as are mature have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Verse 16, nevertheless, to the degree that we, are all, that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us be of the same mind. Paul, Paul's just telling us here, look, you, you have the word of God, you have the will of God. Be faithful to what God has revealed in your life and walk according to the scriptures. Live your life according to the scriptures. Do these things. Walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Um, when we don't obey the rules, there's consequences. We know the, the Russian Olympic team. You know, now they got Russian athletes that participate under something else. I mean, still the Russians that are there competing, but the Russian Olympic team can't compete because they were cheating. They got caught doping. You got Sammy Sosa, who's, who, who did some great things in baseball, but it's tainted. It's asterisks. It's, he's, he's, his reputation shot because he cheated. He cheated. He corked his bat. He Shot up with steroids. He cheated. Ben Johnson wins a gold medal in the Olympics. A Canadian, you probably know that name, won the gold medal in, in the Olympics. Maybe 86 or I don't, I don't know, maybe later. Uh, I think it was a lot later actually. Uh, but they stripped him of his medal because he was doping. He was cheating. Lance Armstrong wins seven. I mean, he was one of my heroes. Lance Armstrong, I thought, what an incredible story. Guy overcomes cancer. He overcame cancer, and he wins seven Tour de France just to find out he's a scumbag cheater. They strip him of his medals, of his wins. He cheated. Alex Rodriguez, same thing. He's a cheater. Don't cheat. Do what's right. Live according to the Word of God. Don't compromise. Don't rationalize. Live by the Word of God. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. For everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Temperate. They're disciplined in all things. They control themselves. Now, they, may, they do it to obtain a perishable crown. So what if Tom Brady wins six or seven Super Bowls? What if he wins another one this year? I'm as a Tampa, kind of a Tampa fan. I'd be okay with that. He's won seven. So what if he won another one? If he doesn't know Jesus Christ as his Savior, he's going to go to hell. I would pray that he trusts Christ as his Savior because the Super Bowl rings ain't going to get him into heaven. They do all this. They do all these things for a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, 
lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Hebrews 12 one says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily, King James, I think, says besets us. The, the new King James says ensnares us. You know what it does? If you got weights on, no, no marathon runner is going to run with the five-pound ankle weights on. They're going to let, if you've seen them, they wear the lightest fabric, skimpiest clothes they can because they don't want anything. They got the lightest shoes because they, want to, they don't want to be hindered at all. You don't want anything that's going to hinder you. And you certainly don't want a sin in your life that is besetting you from doing what God wants you to do. But there's things, again, we hit this. There are weights in our life that are good things that become a weight in our life from us doing what God wants us to do. A job, a family, friends, possessions, entertainment. All these things that are not bad things, but they have to be in the right balance in our life and we have to serve God. Amen? Amen. All right, so here's where we're at this morning. All right, it's 11.30. We've still got time to beat the Methodists to, to Chick-fil-A. Not Chick-fil-A. We can certainly beat them to Chick-fil-A, to Cracker Barrel. Or, or to the, the food truck over here that actually is pretty... Not today, no food truck today. That's disappointing. That's disappointing. All right, so here's what we're going to do. So you've wondered about the plows. This plow time, this service, this is... When we talk about plow service... We're talking about a, a service of commitment, of focus, of dedication, maybe rededication, may, maybe salvation, maybe, maybe the greatest need in your life this morning. And if it's the greatest need, it's the only need if it's for salvation. There is no other need in your life today than salvation. That, that if you've not been born again, that's what you need. You need the Lord Jesus Christ. And maybe you're sitting here this morning, and, and as we go into this time, you're, you're, you may say, Pastor, I, I, I want to meet Jesus. I need to know about salvation. I need to be about, know about being born again. We'd love to counsel with you this morning, share with you how today you can trust the Lord Jesus Christ. But this is a time of commitment. And, and I really, I hope that you won't, bolt out of here when the service is over. So here's how, how, what we're going to do this morning. We're not going to have a normal, we're not going to play a song. I think we're going to have some music going. Um, but we're not, we're not going to play a song. We're not going to have our traditional invitation time. Here is our invitation. We'll have a prayer in a moment. And what we're going to do is, I've asked uh, Brother John is going to do this and Brent uh, Ramsey. Y'all can come on down if you'd like. They're going to man this plow here in the middle and Y'all can kind of pull that out, Brent, and face the handles out that way. And they're going to man the center plow. If you want somebody to pray for you, there's something you go, you know what, I, want, I need this in my life. I, I, I want someone to pray for me this morning. Then, then I want you to come to this plow, to these guys, and they'll pray with you. They'll pray for you, okay? They're going to alternate praying. And we're not going to have our, our, our once-a-week daily de- devotion right here. This going, we're, we're going to be pithy. Okay, we're not going to be long in the prayers, but they're going to pray for you, okay, if you want to do that. Now, some of you may go, I'm not comfortable with getting up in two guys' faces. I don't know where John's been this week. I don't know what he's, who he's been around. I don't know. I don't want to be in his face. I don't want him breathing on me. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's you, and that's okay. And so what we've done is we've got another plow over here. It's a standalone plow. And I'm going to invite you, if you want to come and pray, 
a time to say, Lord, I'm dissatisfied with where I'm at in my life. I want to commit this year to you. I want to commit my life this year to you. I want, at the end of the year, I want to be walking closer to you. Maybe I need to read my Bible more. Maybe I need to lay off this sin or whatever it is, whatever God is speaking to your heart, because I don't know what God's doing in your heart. I ain't the Holy Spirit. He just told me to get up here and say this, and now He's speaking to you. Now you got to do with it what he's telling you to do. So we got a plow right here. You can come individually. There's a plow right over here. Please don't pay attention to the ugly framing on it. I had to do that real quick this morning to get it to stand up by itself, all right? Because we're not going to put guys on those plows. They're standing there. You can come up individually. Put your hand in the plow, Luke 9, 62. No man having put his hand in the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. This morning, put your hand in the plow. I wish Randy Dixon wasn't sick. Y'all pray for Randy and Becky. They're fighting. They've been sick for two weeks with bronchitis. Now they've got, now they've got COVID. So they're really struggling. Um, uh, I talked with her a little bit yesterday. They're very sick. Pray for them. But I wish Randy was here this day. Because God, three years ago, four years ago, whatever, what, three years ago, more the Lord just got all over Randy. Randy was halfway down the aisle before I ever got started putting his hand to the plow. God just got a hold to him. Here's a great time for you. This is a symbolic thing as you see. It's a visual reminder, a visual picture to come and pray. You go, well, I'll pray later. Don't, don't tell me that. That's why I really encourage you today. Don't bolt out of here when we're done. Take the time. Spend some time at, a, at an all. And if you don't need to pray or want to pray, then you leave. And I ain't trying to guilt you into this. You know where you're at. But this is, this is not just cliche. This is not just some... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not just some silly gadget that we're doing in this service. That's a visual thing for you to put your hand to and commit yourself to the Lord this year. What is it He wants you to commit to? So you can come together as an individual. You can come as a family. You can come both to, to a plow over here or a plow over here or the plow in the center where, where Brent and Brother John and Brother Brent, he's a brother too. We'll be praying. We'll pray for you, okay? And when, when you have finished praying, you're free. You, 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 you're, that's, you're dismissed. You can quietly make your way out of here, but let's keep it quiet in the sanctuary because this will be a time of prayer, all right? But when you're done, you're done. You can dismiss and go out of here, and let's live 2022 for the Lord. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you now for this time. Thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that we truly, this morning, as a church, individuals, it's made up of, these, of us as individuals. And may each one of us, our hearts be burdened today to commit something to you this year. Really, I pray, God, you'd put a, a righteous dissatisfaction in our hearts spiritually. That, Lord, we would not be satisfied with where we are. But may we put our hands to the plow this morning and, and, and recommit, refocus, rededicate ourselves to you. Whatever the need may be, Lord, if there's anyone here that needs salvation, I pray they'll seek me out or one of our leaders here in the church that we can introduce them to the Lord Jesus this morning. Father, do what only you can do. And I pray, Lord, that you'll bless now in this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.